This podcast is recorded in front of a live studio audience at Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. Hi, I'm Frank Cho, creator of Liberty Meadows, and you're listening to Two Headed Nerd Comic Cast with Matt and Joe. So, welcome to episode 76 of THN, where we are talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, July 25th, and reading your answers to the question of the week, which we posted on our Facebook and Twitter in a timely fashion earlier today. My name is Matt Baum, at Matt Baumstein on Twitter, and when I'm not super pumped to see Lord Voldemort trap Mary Poppins under a rock, only to have her miraculously escape by sawing off her own leg in Danny Boyle's Olympic opening ceremony, <laughs> I'm writing the Comic Speculator blog and appraising comics for WorkPoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick, and when I'm not getting super pumped for real manly Olympic sports like equestrian, steeplechase, and dressage, I'm the man dressage. Dressage. (laughs) It's manlier when you pronounce it that way. I'm the manager of Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. This week, you're going to hear reviews of Extreme X-Men number one and Superman 11. After that, we'll review 10 comics faster than Usain Bolt can sell out to yet another sponsor during the ludicrous speed round, and then we'll pay a visit to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum to discuss the future of next week's comics. And finally, it's a fifth week here at THN. We swear this time, but we already did a top five this month, so instead, we'll take a visit to Casey's Crazy Corner, where my non-comic reading wife will be reviewing Frank Miller and David Mazzuchelli's Batman Year One. But before we get to all the blood doping and fake urine sampling, let's take a moment to acknowledge that Michael Phelps is truly an amazing swimmer and athlete, but THN will be rooting for Ryan Lochte because he's way cuter. And then we can talk about this week's big news. It looks like the summer of Valiant is about to become the year of Valiant. The publisher revealed the next book in their relaunch this week, announcing the return of Shadow Man in November. The series will be written by Strange Talent of Luther Strode and Team 7 writer Justin Jordan, with art provided by Marvel veteran Patrick Zercher. The original Shadow Man launched in 1992, as a flagship title in the Valiant line and featured jazz musician Jack Boniface, which I'm sure is how you pronounce it. <laughs> Boniface. Who has the most amazingly cheesy Wikipedia description I have ever read. Jazz musician Jack Boniface nearly died one night, attacked by something out of a nightmare. By fateful chance, he escaped. Just a murderous madman with a sick flair for horror, Jack told himself later. Jack recovered. But since that terrifying experience, something has changed. Now, when darkness falls, a feeling comes over him. The urge to find demons who defile the night, his night, and cast them out. Jack was always a night person, but since the attack, he thrives at night. He feels strong, wild, and violent. Unaccountably. What? Unaccountably? Unaccountably, he's, he's better in the dark. Jack begins to roam the streets after dark. He comes across. He comes across a brutal wife beater, a gang of muggers, a knife wielding psycho, demons. The night is full of demons. Jack puts each of them down hard. He's not sure how. He was never a fighter, but at night he has absolutely no fear and therefore no limits. He improvises. He's spontaneous, unpredictable. It's all jazz, and man can he play. By day, Jack is his old self again, but more and more he lives for the night. Long. It's pretty rad. That is seriously the Wikipedia entry. Yeah. Who wrote that? I don't know, man. Jesus. <laughs> like the rest of the books in the Valiant relaunch, writer Justin Jordan said that he and Zercher will be picking and choosing elements from the various past versions of the character to create their Shadow Man. Matt, do you think the world is ready for the return of the toughest voodoo-powered sax man in comics history? I don't think they're going to go for the voodoo-powered sax man. I did like when Garth Ennis brought him back, and he was like the late-night soul DJ that could answer anybody's questions. Sure. That was really cool. He would like They would ask, like, my roses aren't doing so well, and he would like tap into the spirit world and find a dead gardener <laughs> and ask him, and they'd just like, speak through him. It was great. Uh, I love the team here. I totally love this team. Justin Jordan and Patrick Zercher. That's going to be fun. This sounds like another fun one. So far, Valiant is hit on all cylinders. totally winning. They're doing a great job. Hit on all cylinders. That is not the right metaphor. They're they're good for gold, man. They're (laughs) they're good for gold. (laughs) Let's mix some more metaphors, shall we? (laughs) In other news this week, writer Grant Morrison announced that he will be leaving both Action Comics and Batman Incorporated in early 2013. 
if the world doesn't end. Morrison will wrap up his run on Action Comics with issue 16 in January, and his epic six-and-a-half-year run on Batman will end with Batman Incorporated number 12 in May. While Morrison's universe-hopping multiversity project... Is st- I'm going to say it like that every time. <laughs> it's still in production at DC. The writer intends to focus on his creator-owned work for the foreseeable future. In an interview with Comic Book Resources, Morrison said, quote, I don't have time for any plans for a monthly superhero books for a while. All right. Multiversity is an eight issue and is You're done. eight issues, and I'm 30-odd pages into Wonder Woman <laughs> Shut project. It down. But those are finite stories. Oh, God. That was the worst Scottish accent ever. With Morrison's project... <laughs> With Morrison's departure from these titles, DC loses one of their marquee writers in the new 52, Joe. What do you think of DC's next move is here? And on a scale of f***ed to profoundly f***ed, where do you think they're at? Uh, I, You know, I don't know. This is horrible news. Well. This is really, really bad news for them. I mean, it's that's it, It's not fair to say that there are only two good writers at DC, no, Scott Snyder and Grant Morrison. But it is fair to say that he is one of their consistently highest selling writers that they yeah. had on staff for, God, how many years? It's true. And I don't know how you... Six and a half. No, he's been there longer than that. I mean, <laughs> it's true. He did uh, All Star Superman, right? I mean, but like, who do, who replaces him? I don't know. I well, think you the, have to let Batman Incorporated go. Yes, no. Batman one else Incorporated can do that. should not continue past issue twelve. No, and I wouldn't want it to. No, but as far as Action Comics, like, I just don't know. I mean, it's a it's a pipe dream, but like, I want Mark Wade to write an ongoing Superman book. If anything, this is a an excellent chance for them to completely fix Superman to just start over. But what do they do? They can't I don't just know. say we. They can't just say, "Oops, you know, kill him, take another left turn, kill him." Superman? Sure, they've killed him before. No. What do you do? The Thundercat Superman crossover yes. you've always dreamed yes. of, where he goes to Thundera and the bug swims up his butt and he's in so much pain that Lionel has to cut his head off with the sword of uh, omens. The sword of omens. Like Superman, you didn't swim in there, did you? He's like, oh god, it hurts. <laughs> and the last panel of the last page is right. Lionel holding it's Superman's the, headless, the iconic, pantsless body. Yes, the iconic, you know, like Superman and holding crying Supergirl, to the heavens. But it's Lionel holding a headless, pantless Superman crying to the heavens. Oh, be beautiful. Well, we can't. There's nothing more to add to this news story. <laughs> Speaking of Batman, Matt and I managed to catch The Dark Knight Rises this week. The final film in Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy, The Dark Knight Rises, features the caped crusader's return after a lengthy absence after an attack on Gotham by the vicious terrorist Bane brings him out of his self-imposed retirement. Clocking in at a staggering two hours and 45 minutes, this film had the impossible tasks of following up the amazing Batman The Dark Knight and creating a satisfying conclusion for Nolan's version of the character, Matt, did it succeed? First, I just want to say, how dumb are the Gotham police when both Bruce Wayne and Batman have been missing for eight years and they both show up at the same time? Well, how stupid do the Gotham police have to be? I mean, like, really? They know that Bruce Wayne's still there. <laughs> They're I, just like, he's a shut in. Yeah, no, it's fun. The way they do it is really, the way they did that was really fun. Uh, once again, Nolan just directs the hell out of this one. And there has been some lukewarm reviews. Not bad reviews. I have to say that I did have some problems with it. There, I had a, I had a couple here and there. But I think by the end, all the problems that I had washed away. Because it ended so well. Sure. It did such a good job of doing this. Bane was absolutely not the Joker. And the Tom Hardy's performance was excellent. I thought Bane was amazing. He was great, but he was no Heath Ledger. And no, no. That, was the, that was the biggest thing they had to get over. They had the probably the best bad guy that's ever been in a movie maybe i don't think that's a stretch to say that with Heath ledger's performance and they had to follow that up but what they did instead of going straight for that is played more on batman rebuilding himself batman coming back and dealing with a problem from his past that's come back to haunt him basically a challenge issued towards him so it's more of a character building movie that I think ties better into the first movie than the second one. So what you're saying is that The Dark Knight Rises is the Rocky Four of Batman Absolutely. Movies. This is the Rocky Four. It totally is. Ivan Drago Rocky's attacks a Gotham City. Yes. Rocky's a little fat and out of shape. And Ivan Batman's got to go to Russia and <laughs> exactly. teach himself how to fight again. Right. And bring everyone together and avoid nuclear war. Too. Totally. Yes. Yes. And the Cold War. Um, I've loved Bane. 
I loved him. I lo- his voice was kind of funny almost, but really scary. Um, they changed it from the earlier like previews, right? Because you listen, he was completely unintelligible right. in those previews, and now you can understand him for the most part. But the trade off was that it was a little high pitched and kind of silly. I didn't mind it, but I still thought Bane was terrifying. He was horrifying. Yeah, he was very very scary. Um, Anne Hathaway was something I was worried about. I thought she was stunning. Anne Hathaway was amazing and in this movie. A lot of the complaints, like, well, Catwoman was kind of whatever and just sort of thrown it. I totally disagree. If you've ever read Catwoman, she nailed it. That was Ed Brubaker's Catwoman. Yeah. I mean, it was fantastic. Like, spot on. The, the, there's a scene in the very beginning where she steals some pearls from Bruce Wayne's safe and they're Bruce's mom's old pearls. And... She's talking to Bruce. He walks into the room. She's like, oh, I'm so sorry, Mr. Wayne. I'm so sorry. And, da, da, da. and he confronts her and he's like, well, you know, this was to be a, an uncrackable safe. And here you are wearing my mother's purse. And instantly she just she, changes. Yeah. She starts him like, well, you know, uncrackable she, is such a big word. Yeah. Like she was <laughs> pretending to be this meek right. uh, maid or uh, caterer. And you can just see the change wash over her and she becomes Catwoman. And it was, she was really good. And not to mention, she served, I would argue for anyone who says, well, she was just a plot device. And you know who I'm talking about, Matt Lockwood. I would argue (laughs) that she was the gray. In between Batman's white and Bane's black, she was the gray. And she was this perfect villain in the middle, like walked both lines. And Batman had to break his own rules and turn to a criminal, basically, and say, look, I need you to help me. I, I know that there's something good in there. I know you're not fully on his side or on mine, but you don't want to live with this guy for yeah. what he does. I- this is a gigantic, sprawling story. It was so huge in scope. It needed all two hours and 45 minutes, and I never got bored. I, I never got it. bored. I never got bored. Um, what was your problem? Well, going back to Catwoman, if if she was just a plot device... Then so was Morgan Freeman. Right. So was Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Right. So was So everything. was Gary Oldman. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of Batman's world. He's got these supporting characters. Right. And Catwoman helps him when it suits her, and that's exactly and what And I it would was. argue if they brought in a brand new character, and she was Ferret Girl or something, you know, <laughs> and like, she's, a, she's the world's best ferret thief or whatever, that would be a plot device. <laughs> but grabbing a character like Catwoman from the Batman mythos and using her, and using her well in the movie, yeah. I would argue that is not a plot device. She was well acted, she was well written, she was kick ass, she beat the hell out of people. I really enjoyed it. Uh, the problems that I had with the movie, for the most part, are pretty spoilery, and I didn't want to get into it on that level. I think Blaine. <laughs> Blaine. I think Bane's <laughs> wearing that kind of. Isn't Blaine the boyfriend jacket. of the gay kid on Glee? Isn't the, isn't the name Is it? Blaine? I don't, I don't know. know. Yes. Ooh, yes. We confirmed. Just got, just got confirmed from <laughs> from off camera from Casey's crazy corner <laughs> from off mic. <laughs> I thought Bane's uh, master plan was kind of complicated and. Though it was fun to watch, it all worked itself out, and I, I did enjoy it. It took a really it. nice turn, I gotta say. Yes. There are some twists in the movie. One twist really worked for me. One twist, I see why they did it the way they did it. They're not making a movie for me. They're making movies for the 80% of the people that don't know anything about Batman. Right. But still, it kind of took the wind out of my sails. Really? A little, but that came at the end of the movie, so I was riding high, and then that moment fizzled for me, and I went, ugh. But then they turned it around, and the the very ending I I really loved, and it I gotta a little say, bit I was very, I was very happy with the end. Yeah. yeah. I, and an excellent way to like put a bow on this and tie it up and say... As a, as a conclusion to a, the Christopher Nolan's trilogy, I thought it was excellent. I thought it did a really great job. I don't know how they could have done it any better. Let's rank it in order. What's the best Bat movie? Dark Knight. Okay, so part two, part three, part one. That's my answer. It's been a long time since I've seen Batman Begins. I watched Batman Begins the morning before I went to the film, and I really like it. There was just sort of some slapstick stuff in it that kind of lost me. All right, I'll go with with that. Oh, Oh, another problem that's not a spoiler. There are a lot of puns in this movie. Yeah. Catwoman actually says the words "cat got your tongue." Yeah, that. And there was, I went, "You've got to be kidding me!" There was a couple one-liners that sort of lost me too. And then even Batman made one, and I was just like, "Oh, come on, guys!" But looking back, the first two movies kind of had that stuff too. That's true. It's so true. I don't know. Max, what do you want for dinner? Justice. 
That is the big news this week. If you'd like to wrap about these stories or anything you think we missed, hit us up on our Facebook page where Joe and I have posted our script for the upcoming Hollywood Bat reboot, wherein billionaire Supercross writer Bruce Wayne, played by Zac Efron, <laughs> is known as the Batman on the dirt track for his high-flying motorcycle stunts. But he fights crime on the gritty, obstacle-filled streets of Gotham at night with his trusty Bat-cycle in a quest for extreme justice! This is a lot like the treatment you wrote for the Green Lantern movie. No, he was a professional jet skier. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of Bat reboots, earlier today we posted a question of the week on our Twitter and Facebook where we asked you guys who you thought should play Batman in the upcoming Hollywood Bat reboot. And here's what you're saying! We've got a tweet here from our buddy Roderick Ruth who says, After seeing Drive... I think Ryan Gosling might have the chops to be the next Dark Knight. I love Drive. I love. I Ryan love Drive Gosling. too. I feel like he's just he's, he's he's just too, too adorable, pretty, man. Yeah, too pretty, too yeah. skinny. I just don't buy it. I don't buy him as like the super tough guy. Yeah, big enough to be secretly Batman. tortured. Yeah, Batman should be stacked, man, like yeah. ripped up. You know, uh, Mikey Z James tweets: John Hamm or Michael Fassbender. But he goes on to say. Hammer might be too old, though, yeah. but he'd be sweet. I love that he called him Hammer. I like Hammer. I like that. <laughs> and you know what? I don't hate that. I really don't. I mean, like, he could pull off the Bruce Wayne thing pretty well, and he's, if you watch Mad Men, he's really good at being a sociopath, too. And so. he's a big dude. And he's a big dude. Yeah, I kind of like it. I kind of like it. He's old, though. Yeah. Cool. Almost dead. It's review time again, where each week Matt and I take the Fantastic Car out for a spin and pick up two helpless, innocent new comics with the promise of candy and secret games they can't tell their parents about. Then we get them back to the ziggurat and strip them naked in front of you guys, you perverts. (laughs) Matt, tell the kids what you read. This week I read Extreme X-Men number one (laughs) from Marvel. I refuse to pronounce it extreme if they're going to spell it this way. Written by Greg Pak with art by Steven Zagovia and cover by newcomer Julian Totino Tedesco. No, this guy's had a lot of covers this year. Has he? Yeah. Oh. Maybe he just got a... I can't name any. He got a full penciling job this week, too, in Uncanny X-Force. Oh, yeah. I saw that. Yeah. This is a new group of reality-jumping X-Men in the spirit of Judd Winnick's Exiles, and truthfully... That's why I was excited for this title. I loved that Exiles series. It was so much fun. <laughs> for the first, I don't know, yeah, 48 it, issues it or so. It did go a little downhill towards the end. But Chuck it was Austin. A, it was a great take on Marvel's What If, basically. Yeah. It, like tying What If directly into the Marvel Universe, where we saw like analogs of X-Men leaping around to different Marvel Universes with characters that you recognize that are in very different roles. Greg Pak has written some of my favorite Hercules stories and some very solid Hulk stories, too. I was excited to see what he could do with the X-Men, and I gotta say, he did not disappoint here. He did a great job tying this into the current X-Men, or at least pre-Avix X-Men, and in doing so, kind of reinvents Dazzler as less of a Madonna-slash-Lady Gaga and more of a Sheryl Crow. I did not like that. Yeah? I did not like that. I did like think that was that. a little weird. She kind of had like a cowboy hat on. Yeah, and, like, and she's got, there's a couple moments in there where she's like bluegrass from the Silverhawks. Sort of, yeah. Like, oh, no, It was no. kind of silly, but I do like seeing Dazzler around because I love that character. I, yeah, I do too. The other stars here are Kid Nightcrawler, Emmeline Frost, and a Wolverine analog named James Howlett, former Governor General of Dominion of Canada and Viceroy of Her Majesty's Expedition to Shangri-La. Dang. <laughs> Their mission is to hop to different realities to kill evil versions of Professor Charles Xavier. The premise is fun, and it might even make a little more sense than the Exile series that I love so much, because they have, like, a real mission. Yeah. (laughs) Steven Segovia is doing very solid work here. There's nothing particularly challenging or earth-shaking about his paneling or his art style, but he gets the point across very well and does a great job with his action scenes. There were a few conversational panels that looked a little unfinished to me, but as a whole, he's doing a very good job. His work very much reminds me of what I loved about Larry Stroman before he went completely nuts with his art style, Yeah, which I still loved, by the way. Greg Pak has done a great job setting readers up for a fun series that stands on its own outside of the rest of the X titles, and it looks like this comic is going to be a lot of fun. Dazzler fans, unite. Your girl is back in a starring role, even if she is sort of like uh, doing a Sheryl Crow impersonation. And as listeners know, we hate Sheryl Crow here. (laughs) Still, 
giving this one a buy it. I thought it was fun. See, and I was not as enthused with it as you. I, I thought it was okay. Uh, I like Greg Pak. Steven Segovia's art is kind of weird, but I enjoy it. I thought it was fun. I thought it was okay. There were moments like the thing with Dazzler focusing her power through her guitar. I was just like, oh yeah. my God, that's cheesy. It got a little silly. She's dressed like a down home. Like, I'm just kicking it down home country style with my weird cowboy hat but and my again, flannel shirt. Look at how many of these people have reinvented themselves. Look at like Jules. She totally yeah. reinvented herself. And that's fine. You know? And and I get that. And in the context of Dazzler, I was okay with it because, yeah, of course, she would constantly try to find the next right thing sure to me this is like a really shining example of kind of the bloat of the x-men line uh and the avengers have it as well marvel just keeps cranking out these titles this is an ongoing series based on a fill-in arc of a comic book that already does not deserve to exist right astonishing x-men yes why why is this happening here's my (laughs) biggest complaint why is it not called exiles yeah. Why extreme X Men? Do they have a copyright to Why? renew? Why? God, it's just dumb. But it was okay. I I don't want to say skim it because I had more fun with it than that. But it's just—is it essential reading? I can't really go that far either. I uh, see. I thought it was just fun, and it's been the X books have been so serious for a while that it I'll was give nice to pick up a fun X read. I'll give you that. I'll give it a buy it on those grounds. It's an X Men book for people that don't. Like the current X-Men books. There you go. <laughs> Joe, tell these kids about Superman number 11. Superman 11 from DC Comics, story and pencil art by Dan Jurgens. Finished art by Jesus Marino, Vicente Cifuentes. And, and Rob Hunter. And Rob Hunter. <laughs> what is that? Finished art? What does that mean? It means Dan Jurgens did the breakdowns and the other guys did God. the rest of it. Here's your solicit. A powerful and violent being from a different dimension has been mistakenly brought to Earth, and only Superman can stop it. And he looks just like the Predator. He looks just like the Predator. <laughs> That's It's a one-sentence solicit. That's bizarre. But it's better than bullet points, I suppose. I would say it boils this one down pretty well. It's true. Perhaps <laughs> like, that's a that sign. The whole story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like I need to check in with this book from time to time just to remind myself how thoroughly DC is screwing up Superman. Yeah. And this issue reads just as I expected it to. It's completely inoffensive, but it's also completely pedestrian and unmemorable. Uh, the cover promises to reveal the secrets of the suit. Which is kind of why I picked it up, because I hate the stupid, armored yeah. Superman. He looks like a fully posable action figure. Yeah, and I was like, okay, fine, tell me why he's wearing this outfit. Right. And of course, absolutely nothing is revealed about the costume or why Superman needs a suit of totally extreme nano armor. Yeah. There's a kind of old school charm to the storytelling in this issue that I don't hate. Uh, I have a fondness for late 80s and 90s Superman stories. And, I do not. <laughs> and Dan Jurgens specifically. I mean, I was reading them at that time. They were very formative to me. I, I enjoyed them, I have to admit it. I hated so, them. So <laughs> it wasn't all bad. Uh, unfortunately, the story is just boring. A space ninja predator from another dimension escapes captivity and <gasps> is tough enough to fight Superman. Yeah. You know, like I feel like I've read this exact same story a dozen times. You know what this feels like? This feels like the, it's just marking time. This feels like editorial is not letting them do anything while they try and figure out how they're going to get well, people if, more excited about Superman. If that's the case, then good, because right now, man. In the meantime, they're not doing anything. Nothing happened here. Nothing. Right. The art is completely awful if it was either by dan jurgens or jesus marino it or prob- vincente Cifuente, yeah, yeah or maybe rob hunter i don't know that guy but <laughs> it probably wouldn't be too bad to look at but the combination of the two i guess three leads to some of the most inconsistent four. artwork four oh, god yeah <laughs> you've got three different guys finishing the work of a fourth guy yeah it, it leads to some of the most inconsistent artwork i've seen in a long time Characters change appearance from panel to panel within the same page. Yeah. Strange poses, terrible anatomy, and the cross hatching. Good my god, the cross hatching is out of control. <laughs> this issue is just another example of how DC completely misjudged what was needed to rejuvenate this character. I don't understand how they could have gotten it so wrong. I'm giving Superman a leave it. This book is bad. I'm with you as well. And I think the problem is they didn't rejuvenate the character. There's nothing. That, that I mean, action, we got some of the past, but Grant Morrison is so caught up in telling his wacky Superman stories that we have not had any time to learn anything about this character 
and they are not presenting us anything about him either. Right. It's just, he wears armor, flies around, whoops ass. Superman, well, you know the rest. And going back to the George Perez thing, where he revealed that yes. when he was writing this book, he didn't even know what the rules were. And that's my uh, that's what I was going to say. I don't necessarily think this is any of these guys' fault. I am not faulting Jurgens, Marino, any of the anybody that worked on this. Right. I feel like there's an extremely heavy editorial hand that has no idea what it is doing with Superman. Uh, that's an overall complaint. Um, this particular issue, though, is kind of terrible. It was bad. It was really as an bad. as a reading experience. Giving it a huge leave it as well. Yeah, just don't bother. As always, we want to know what you Dimension Hopping and Nano Armor Wearing Super Nerds thought of these comics, so let us know how watered down and poorly executed our reviews were over at our Facebook page. You know what I just thought of? Remember back in the day when there was rumors about Will Smith playing Superman and he was nano-powered? Remember that? Yeah, he wore a nano-powered suit. He wore a nano-powered suit. The suit gave him his powers. Boom! Oh, God. It's happened. Busted, DC. It's happened. <laughs> For the less cultured, dressage is a competitive equestrian sport considered by the International Equestrian Federation as the highest expression of horse training. I call it horsey dancing. And where horse and rider are expected to perform from memory a series of predetermined movements. Before her Olympic debut this weekend, Anne Romney and her horse, Rafalka, were kind enough to join us for a high-speed dressage lesson wherein I will be riding Stridor and Matt will be writing our text while we review 10 comics during this week's Ludicrous Speed Round. Ludicrous Speed! Go! Debris number one from Image. Uh, this is a new miniseries from Curtis Wybie, Peter Panzerfaust writer, and Cowboy Ninja Viking artist Riley Rosmo. Earth Riley far- Rosmo draws everything at Image. He does. <laughs> Earth in the far future is covered with garbage, and humanity lives in small compounds defending themselves from junk monsters, the largest of which are called Colossals. They kind of look like a big junk snake thing. Yeah. Rosmo is amazing here. He draws the hell out of this book. The coloring was beautiful. I always liked this guy's art, but he is just amazing. I here. love how his art looks different on every project. It really does. Super solid story by Whitey. Buy this. John Carter, Gods of Mars, number five from Marvel. This series has been quietly awesome through its whole five-issue run, and this is the big finale with John Carter and company's assault to save Deja Thoris. The scantily clad Deja Thoris. <laughs> Not Beautiful. quite as busty as Dynamite's, <laughs> no. though. Beautiful art by Ramon Box from Jim Henson's Tale of Sand. This was a great series. I'm giving it a buy it. Irresistible number one from Xenoscope. Gotta say, this is the first Xenoscope book that took me by surprise. Sure. The very well-written story of a 20-something that's been dumped by the love of his life. He meets a gypsy that gives him the power to be irresistible to women, sort of like what Axe Body Spray pretends to do it's a little (laughs) too much on the computer coloring kind of messed up the art for me there was no inking here and it definitely showed they just did everything on computer still not a bad read nice job fellas i can only give you a skim it though mass effect homeworlds number three from dark horse i wasn't too keen on the first issue of this series but i love me some garris you want to know some bullshit you cannot have a love story with garris in mass effect 3 I want to get down with that dude. That's how much I loved him. <laughs> the art by Gary Brown is pretty questionable, but it's nothing but aliens in this. So he didn't have to draw humans or anything. I really enjoyed the story, though, of Garrus's history and how he became the character we know from the Mass Effect games. I'm giving it a buy it. I loved it. Uncanny X-Force number 28 from Marvel. This was billed as the issue that a new member joins the team and a Phantom X's involved spaceship with the Bride of Frankenstein haircut. Is that new member? I could give a shit. Where is Domino? I want her on this team. Why is she not there? Newcomer Julian Totino Tedesco is on art duties, and he is nothing short of excellent. I don't know where editors Nicolo and Axel Alonso are finding these guys, but keep them coming. It's like they've got this clown car full of Italian artists that are just amazing. (laughs) Buy this. TMNT Micro Series number six, Casey Jones from IDW. I've never read a single issue of this series before this, but seeing Mike Costa listed as the writer drove me to pick it up. This book was outstanding. It's a nice little one-shot about Casey Jones' private life and what made him the man he is today. Great art by Mike Henderson. 
This issue made me want to read the rest of the IDW TMNT relaunch, which I know my co-host hates. It sucks. I don't know. These have been great. The micro series been I'm great. I'm giving it a try. They put good talent on it. The rest of the series is not good. I'm giving it a try. Buy it. National Comics Eternity, number one from DC. This isn't the kid Eternity I remember. This is the story of Christopher Freeman, a 27-year-old police coroner in New York City. He's the son of a decorated and dead cop. He's who dead. Ne- who never quite crawled out of his dad's shadow. Freeman has the ability to bring recently dead people back to life to help them solve their own murders. <laughs> but the cases are not always what they seem. Now, does that plot remind you of anything? Possibly a TV series. It's a really serious pushing daisies. pushing daisies. <laughs> that said... I liked it. Good story by Jeff Lemire. Artist Cully Hamner has more than proved he's ready for the big time between this and the Shade series. Give this guy a regular job. I love Cully Hamner. Buy this. Green Lantern, number 11 from DC. This issue is both uh, the epilogue to the Indigo Lantern story and the first part of the Return of the Black Hand. Five different inkers. Don't really slow Doug Mankey down. Uh, And we get another glimpse into the future of the upcoming Third Army crossover. I have to admit... I was losing interest in this book, but I think it's hooked me again. I think you say that every time. Oh, well, I, uh, because I'm happy. I'm giving it a buy it. Star Wars, Darth Maul, Death Sentence, number one from Dark Horse. Darth Maul is alive, and he's got new, really dumb-looking cybernetic legs, and a brother with the worst damn Star Wars name I've encountered yet. <laughs> Savage Oppress. I can't say it without laughing. There's a boring plot about a uranium miner that put a price out on the brothers' heads, and who in their right f***ing mind would do that? There's a brief glimpse of the Jedi Council that never does anything except send unnamed Jedi to their doom in the next issue, I'm guessing. The art here is solid, but it kind of highlights everything I hated about the prequels. Bad-looking ships, dumb-looking cybernetics, Jedi kids with lame haircuts, and stupid-looking aliens. Leave it. Vim's a cow! That is your ludicrous speed round, and Vim's a cow! It's the sound Savage Oppresses lightsaber makes when one end slices through a sucker and a blaster blast bounces off the other side. Is that how Blaster blast? Blaster blast. Blaster blast. You're really savagely oppressing me right now. I wanted to savagely oppress this book. It sucked. By the way... Savage Oppression is my new metal band name. Now, join us in the Sanctum Sanctorum, where disgraced physician Leslie Tompkins, who, after leaving Gotham, has been working with the International Olympic Blood Doping Committee, has scored us a massive stash of HGH that we'll be (laughs) mixing with MGH and mainlining with the help of our good friend, the Night Nurse, in an attempt to both bulk up a little bit and... Activate our latent precognitive powers to peer into the future of next week's comics. Joe, your delts look fucking awesome. What will you be reading next week? My pick for next week is Hawkeye number one from Marvel Comics by Matt Fraction and David Aja. I think it's David. Uh-huh. <laughs> if this is the return, this is basically the return of the Iron Fist creative team, but with Hawkeye, and I could not be more on board with that idea i can't wait to read it i want to see how they flesh him out because like iron fist was kind of a, a blank slate that they got to play with quite a bit i want to see how they kind of flesh clint barton out <laughs> thanks for asking joe my pick for next week <laughs> is harvest number one from image written by aj lieberman with art by colin laura mir lormimer lormimer Here's your solicit, because I, I mean, reading this sold me. Human traffickers, rogue medical teams, Yakuza-run organ mills, and a six-year-old drug fiend, which sounds like the story of my life. (laughs) Welcome to Dr. Benjamin Dane's nightmare. His only way out? Bring down the man who set him up by reclaiming organs already placed in some very powerful people. If Dexter, ER, and 100 Bullets had a (laughs) three-way... What? (laughs) And that mind-blowing twist somehow resulted in a kid... That kid would read Harvest, Medical Grade Revenge. Wow. Okay, last week we wow. said uh, Danger Girl G.I. Joe, best solicitation ever. Taking it back. <laughs> Taking it back. Way to go, Harvest. You did it. I'm picturing a three-way with Dexter. That guy's good looking. <laughs> of course, we want to know what you nerds are going to be reading next week. So hit us up on our Facebook, shoot us a line on Twitter, or hey, 
drop a guy an email every once in a while. Yeah, what's your problem? Joe Patrick, before we move on, why don't you tell us what some of our lovely listeners are saying about our question of the week? We've got a tweet from our buddy Kush at the Pixelated Sausage Podcast who says, I want to say Guy Pierce." But he's a bit on the older side. He's a point. bit on the older side, but I like that pick, man. I like that pick too. I think Guy Pierce is uh I like kind of skinny though. Uh, I bet he could bulk up. He did you see that movie where he went like into outer space and broke up the space riot? No. I watched it the other night. Breakout? Breakout. Probably not, but that's all right. He was pretty tough at it. <laughs> I always wanted Guy Pierce to play Matt Murdock. Yeah, he's Daredevil. We've got another tweet from Brett Merriman who says, and I'm sorry. Nicolaj Coster hyphen Waldau. Jamie Lannister. Jamie Lannister on Game of Thrones. Man, I think I hate Jamie Lannister so much that I couldn't like picture him as bad. All I can picture him <laughs> is him like stooping his sister, you know? Gross. And kicking kids out windows. Just like Batman. Just like Batman. <laughs> and on Facebook, we have got a message from Ben Kingslayer Hafitz. Who says, speaking of Kingslayers, in my mind, they have to go in the opposite direction from Nolan's Batman movies and basically adapt Grant Morrison's Batman starring Michael Fassbender. That's uh, that's two for the Fassbender. I like the Fassbender pick. He's a good looking dude and he can pull off the scary good looking dude. More than one person suggested Fassbender. Yeah, because he could kiss you or just like, you know, press his thumbs into your eyes, man. You don't know. (laughs) You don't know. And you would like either one because he's gorgeous. It's a fifth week once again here at THN, and that means we're shaking up the format and pleased to welcome you nerds to Casey's Crazy Corner. Matt's wife, Casey, is the author of the Girl Meets Nerd blog, a blog about life with Matt, tortured though it may be, that will soon be featured on the new and improved TwoHeadedNerd.com. It's really coming. It's really coming. Today, Casey will be sharing her opinion on Frank Miller and David Mazzucchelli's masterpiece, Batman Year One. Take it away, Casey. All right. Thanks, guys. Well, I have more kind of questions and opinions than a real official review. But first... That's okay. We make it up as we go. Good. So this is Frank Miller that did Sin City, correct? Same Frank Miller. Okay. So my first question, did I read a comic book or did I read a graphic novel? Because I'm confused. You, it was. It can, <laughs> it's in a hard. No, book. no, 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 no. It was in a collection. I have the uh, like this really nice leather bound, like complete Frank Miller collection. And when I gave it to her, I said, "This is a very nice collection that Rare. was given to me by a dead friend." And she said, "Do you have a crappier one that I can?" Read? <laughs> I literally like took it and openly opened it up like this much for like, yeah. 45 degrees. It I was is a like, beautiful oh my collection. Yes. Batman Year One was originally published in Batman. The main series in 1987, and it was four issues long, and it was collected into a trade paperback. That's what this is. Okay, Reprinted so as a graphic novel. Year one was four books, so it wasn't like a 96 it page was, comic book, right? It was four, it was four single issues. issue chapters. Okay. Got it. They would have been about 22 pages a piece. Okay, yeah, that answers my first question. Um, first, I will say I liked the chapter art. That was nice. Uh, it kind of, each chapter had a new art and like a little saying on it. Okay, that is something that's included in this treasury. Oh, okay. But I mean, that's fine. I it, actually it, like that. Yeah, it was included yeah. in this treasury to set I things up. I actually found that art of the, like some of the drawings in the comic, really creepy. Like a lot of the characters didn't have eyeballs. I thought that was weird. That's sort of a choice by sure. David Mazzuchelli. I did not like that at all. I, I don't know. They, but they, I mean, he was going for it, like effective, right? You were creeped out by the right bad But guys. should I, be, no, I believe what creeped me out was Lieutenant Gordon, not Commissioner Gordon, didn't have eyes. Well, he had glasses. Yeah, you couldn't Still. see his eyes through his glasses. Oh, does he have those weird, like, he's like Bono, always wears sunglasses? No, he's just no, wearing glasses. I think that's just an artistic choice. Yeah, like the light's reflecting Lame. off him or something. At night, he wears his sunglasses at night. He's, he's not wearing sunglasses. <laughs> he's wearing prescription glasses. Like Never. you wear prescription glasses because you're afraid of LASIK eye surgery. <laughs> anyway, so... I was kind of really confused when I started this book. I It starts off with Commissioner Gordon, who's not a commissioner. He's Lieutenant Gordon, and he's arriving in Gotham. So I kind of felt this was like his story more than Batman's story. And I don't know. He was kind of a sad dude. Like, he was all worried about his wife. He kept talking about Barbara, who I just assumed was Barbara Gordon, who, Batgirl. Yes. That's, that's true. So I really had a mind f- when it was his wife that really threw me off that he was also married to someone named Barbara and they were having a baby boy. Well. What? Yeah. Okay. The thing with <laughs> Commissioner Gordon is he's always been 
an extremely tortured guy. Really? See, now... Oh, That's kind of part uh, of his I story. Guess. I mean, he's like... But he was given everything for Gotham City. You know, I mean, he's sort of... And that's why Batman looks up to him so much but because he's, he's like super the one fucking god. Because in this book, he gets his Mac on with uh, Detective Essex, Essen, Essen, yeah, Essen. That stuff happens. It's true. Yeah, I mean, he's not. He's, he's still, still human. Cheating on his pregnant wife. He's still human. What? Pregnant women are disgusting. <laughs> Everybody uh, knows Gordon that. Barbara Gordon in the book and one scene is all like just wrapped in a towel, giving him a back massage. She looks sexy pregnant. Uh, Actually, I just think he forgot to draw her baby bump. Nobody but. thinks. Nobody looks sexy pregnant. Just what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying, he cheats on his wife. He's like all about being this good cop. He's, he's a human guy. To... Yeah, let her no, talk. <laughs> but he, no, his point he's is, flawed. Yeah. He's yeah. flawed. He's the thing flawed. about Commissioner Gordon is that he was Lieutenant always Gordon. <laughs> Sorry, yes. Lieutenant Gordon. This is in the past. He's Lieutenant Gordon. Lieutenant Gordon or James Gordon has always been portrayed as the one honest cop, you yes. know. And he's the guy that kind of cleans up. Gotham City uh, the police department mm-hmm. and at this point in his career he's not in charge he's just a lieutenant right because they beat the crap out of him so he's kind of maybe beaten down and a little world weary very similar to like mm-hmm. how he's portrayed in the Christopher Nolan Batman right. movies and then eventually he gains this position of power and is able to right. make a difference. It should also be said that whenever Frank Miller writes a story, he kind of makes everybody a little darker and crappier. <laughs> like, yeah. Which is fine. Everybody's need... a little more sinister, even the good guys, you know. Well, that's fine. And I don't need someone super happy and, like, super straight and just, like, good all the time. But I do think that's fair. This was very much the story of Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. I felt like it focused more on him than it did on Batman. And then all of a sudden you get Bruce Wayne returning to Gotham after 12 years. And... I guess, I mean, I know his backstory just from the Batman movies and everything, but they just kind of, he comes back and he's like, now it's time. I can't wait any longer. I'm going to go be the Batman, you know? And to me, first off, he was a terrible Batman. Well, that was the idea. He got shot like four times. These punk ass (laughs) hipsters beat him up. I mean, dude was the worst, worst. uh, What happened? Like That was the (laughs) idea, though. He's becoming Batman. This is before. I mean, like Batman didn't just one day put on the suit and he was the baddest dude in the world. No, but he has to train. But I figured he was away for 12 years, like getting tough. And he comes back and he's like, oh, I guess I should have thought about a bullet hitting me. To be fair. I guess from what you've seen with like Batman Begins, yeah, where he yeah, goes yeah. And, and trains with Liam Neeson and the ninjas like the and stuff like that. When that Batman sword. came back to Gotham, he was definitely way more of a badass than this Batman. Okay. Way more. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. But I found that to be really ridiculous that you're going to go out and fight crime and not be able to even like punch a 12 year old skinny hipster boy but okay so then when batman or he Bruce doesn't Wayne, beat up kids he's batman <laughs> okay well they were younger teenagers that were robbing a building 12 a tv that's not a teenager 14 and a half <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but okay so then when he like first kind of he also goes out to like you know see what he can do as well and he like wears a disguise what is wrong with superheroes thinking all they need to do is like put on glasses or put a scar on their face and no one will know who they are <laughs> dumbest thing I've ever read. It's sort of an old comic He's book like, trope. He's like, I'm going to put this scar on my face and no one will know it's Bruce Wayne it's a very, into the night. It's a very old comic <laughs> Clark Kent's been wearing glasses that's for his entire life and Superman. nobody knows he's Superman. Well, everyone in Metropolis is a f***ing idiot. <laughs> but, so he goes and he like sees this prostitute and she's getting harassed by her pimp. I think her name was Holly. Yes. Yeah, and so she's probably 12. Yes. <laughs> I think they were kind of going for a taxi driver kind of thing. Well, okay, like so, she was Jodie Foster. And the pimp is like beating her up or like trying to, you know, mess with her. And then apparently Selena Kyle, Catwoman. Correct. Who like appears from above is like looking down and it's like, oh, this is nonsense. Blah, 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 blah. Anyway, so Bruce Wayne decides this, the pimp, he's going to save this poor Holly girl. And turns out the pimp like beats him down and then Holly goes after him. Well, sort of. It, it was more sort of like the, it's none of your business, you know, whatever. Like, stay out of this. He's just going to beat me worse later kind of thing. I would have been like, bitch, please. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I am just trying to save your ass. <laughs> right. You know, like, come on. So she does this. But then, okay, so Selena Kyle is a prostitute. No. Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, in this book, it is she made a prostitute it pre- or is she posing as a prostitute? She's a prostitute. I'm okay. pretty this sure she was pre-Catwoman. Yeah, she's, I suppose that's true. Yeah. Although. She led a rough life. Eh, she like well she lives with that Holly girl but in this book too my other problem with the Selena Kyle character I thought she was super sexy which is fine I think Catwoman should be sexy but 
when she attacks Bruce Wayne or Batman whenever they're fighting one time, she hisses at him like a cat. Like, comes at him and is like, hiss. <laughs> what? Again, th- this was back in the day. Catwoman kind of used to do stuff eh, like she's that. She's Catwoman. Yeah, you know. I get that. It's a scary noise. Why is not Batman Whoa, like, bitch. don't bats make really high-pitched noises? Like, Yeah, so he's like, ee! Yeah, ee! <laughs> Why doesn't he do that? Like, uh, I think I know why. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I am the knight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so all in all, as someone who came into this knowing very little about Batman. There was way too much in that story. Like, I was super confused. I don't know. It's, that was just a lot. <laughs> there was just a lot going on. and So would you recommend this book? On our buy it, skim it, or leave it scale, with buy it being the best. As for someone who doesn't know anything about Batman, or perhaps like another girlfriend of yours, would you tell them to buy this, skim this, or leave this? Well. <laughs> Be careful right. how you answer here. No, go ahead. <laughs> I would skim it. Really? I wouldn't leave it. Whoa! <laughs> Sorry, Frank Miller. <laughs> I don't know. It just, I guess maybe if I would have read them, I don't know. I read it all in one night, and it didn't take me very long to read. I just have a... I don't know. I don't think it's the story. Well, maybe it's the story. There's just so much going on, and I really didn't care about anyone. Fair enough. Well, I guess the other side of this is that, like, Joe and I approached it from a very different place where we had been reading Batman comics for years and years and years when we came into it. So there's a lot of things that we take for granted as a reader where this stuff just washes over us. We know exactly who these characters are. We know exactly what they're referencing. I can see how maybe that was a little too much for someone like you. Which sounds like you're, it sounds you're, like I'm an idiot, sweetheart. You're a moron. Of course you I didn't get the it. Movies. She's pretty though, folks. Ah, thank God she's cute. No, I just, I mean, I would, I would probably read this whatever the second one in this hard book thing is. The Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> Boy, yeah, you think I this one was a lot to swallow? Uh, there was just a lot going on, and yeah, there was so I mean, much, and I didn't really give two shits about Commissioner Gordon or Lieutenant Gordon. I kind of wanted, I guess, more Batman. After he cheated on his wife, you were done with him. Kind of. I was like. That was not cool. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> well, y- you're not wrong. Th- this took place, this came out at a time where Batman had already been around for many, many years. It's yeah. not really the an introduction to Batman. It's it's a it's a like a retelling of Batman as he's coming up and becoming the hero that people already knew him to be. So the people that read this story when it came out were already reading Batman, probably. Right. And so I can see how it might be you know, a little much for somebody that's never sure never read it. And there's yeah, like you said, a lot of things that comic guys take for granted, like as being acceptable and okay. Right. Small like references. Catwoman hissing at somebody. Right. Yeah. Uh very easily very easily disguised uh, <laughs> people. But a part of that is just, you know, you have to suspend your disbelief when you if you're gonna say, Okay, I'm gonna read a superhero comic. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and allow for things to be a little wacky because it's the it's already a world where a guy dresses like a bat and fights crime. Sure. Yeah. So And I'm fine with that cuz I mean I'm a huge Harry Potter nerd, so I mean wizards and giants and, you know, snakes that can talk to people. I'm, you know, through their mind. I'm fine with that kind of stuff. It just <laughs> this it was it was fine. I, you know, maybe if I had a little more background and I think I did want more Batman I, I think I was more interested in probably him than anyone else that was in there and that's fair you know? but I, I think the whole purpose of the story was to tease you to that moment when he actually becomes, becomes Batman. Batman finally so, at the end there in that building yes. that like so explodes that's and, when you're just like boom there's your money shot you know I actually Batman. really liked the last like page when like Commissioner Gordon or is he still I think he's Commissioner then he's or is Commissioner he still, by then in the end yeah, of this by the end he's Commissioner and he's standing there smoking by the bat signal I thought that was really cool I that's, did yeah I think that's what the whole story led up to that moment it's kind of what Frank Miller does <laughs> I could do like page one page five page seven and <laughs> bat signal yay <laughs> totally in how about a big round of applause for my lovely wife Casey thank you so much sweetheart for Casey's crazy hey. corner and you will be able to read Casey's blog Girl Meets Nerd on the new and improved TwoHeadedNerd.com. Of course, we want to know what you guys thought of Casey's Crazy Corner. So drop us some feedback over at our Facebook page. Sort of break it, break it down like this. That is it for the 76th Games of the Two-Headed Nerd Olympiad. If you love dancing horse sports like we love dancing horse sports, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes. Well, your star ratings and short reviews could help get us into the iTunes Top 10. 
Huge thanks to Mark Decker for his donation this week. And if you'd like to help keep us in horse whips and funny pants that make our butts look awesome, you can make your donation in any amount by clicking our donate button at TwoHeadedNerd.com. What are those pants called? Do they have a name? Jodpers. Really? You know that? Well, I know what jodpers are, but I don't think that's what the racers wear. Oh, I was going to say pantaloons. While you're there, you can find links to our Twitter feed and our email, TwoHeadedNerd at gmail.com. Pantaloons just means pants in Uh French. I don't think that's right. Yes, bow pantaloons. Don't you remember your Bugle Boys commercials from the 80s? No. What about pantalones? It's Spanish for pants! <laughs> While you're there, you can find links to our Twitter feed our, and our email, twoheadednerd at gmail.com, where you can send us your love slash hate mail or your comic that you would like to have us review. And keep your THN mascot art coming for the official THN mascot contest next week on the show. It's a brand new segment we're calling This Is Your Life! Colon, Hawkeye! Hawkeye number one comes out next week, and we're going to discuss our favorite Hawkeye moments, scenes, comics, costumes, trick arrows, and all other things Hawkeye. And remember to follow us on Twitter and like our Facebook page if you want to get in on the question of the week discussion. Matt, who would you like to see play Batman in the upcoming Hollywood Bat Reboot? Okay, I'm saying if you're doing a Bat Reboot and they have to do something different, they've got to go a little younger. So I'm going to say Kit Harington plays Jon Snow on Game of Thrones. Good looking. Big guy could probably be scary. Here's the thing. He's got to pull off a really believable American accent because dude is very, 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 very British. (laughs) But hey, Brits and Aussies, they do that all the time. We're the only idiots that can't fake an accent very well, I guess. Joe, who would you like to see? I have to admit, I I don't know. But a couple people brought up Michael Fassbender, and I can see it. I, can see I feel that like too. he's a little old to start playing Batman in right. a franchise. But man, he was so good. He's so good in everything. He really is. I just don't know. Can he do like the scary metal voice kind of Batman thing? Swear to me. Yeah, but you know? I, I'm all right with them maybe getting away from that yeah, and, and going more towards like a Kevin Conroy from the animated series style where it's a deeper voice. Right. It's definitely different. But it's overdone. it's not comically overdone. Okay. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. He doesn't move into the realm of black metal. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. He doesn't sound like Killface. <laughs> <laughs> no, not Killface. What's that guy's name? Nathan Explosion. Nathan Ex- from Metalocalypse. Killface was the uh, dude on Frisky Dingo. <laughs> Before we go, our weekly shout out goes to Alan Winnie Mysick, who came into the world screaming. Alan Winnie Meshack. Whatever. I don't know why they can't pronounce her last name correctly. Who came into the world screaming at about 10 a.m. this morning. Word to you, Aylin, even if your name does make you sound like a blind southern bluesman. Until next time, true believers, this is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off.